0: Welcome to Insights, a production of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Insights is an audio podcast that provides perspective on the opportunities and uncertainties facing investors today. Today's program, the Market Insights Notes on the Week Ahead.
1: Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at J.P. Morgan Funds. Today is March 25th, 2019. In the golden age of Hollywood, before the era of special effects, the success of a movie depended to a large extent on the storyline. One frequently used construct was the wrongful arrest of an innocent person. The audience was usually in on the secret. Not only is the hero in jeopardy of being hanged, but a killer is on the loose, and the plot then weaves between concern for the fate of the accused and fear about the killer's next victim. The American economic scene today contains less drama since it's a case of assault, not murder. That is to say, while the economic expansion is slowing down, It does not appear to be in mortal danger. However, in recent months, angry voices have been raised, accusing the Fed of causing the slowdown. As in the movie plot, there are two problems with this. First, the Fed is innocent of the charge. Second, there are clear reasons elsewhere for the slowdown, some of which emanate directly from federal government policies. For investors, this is not just of academic or political interest. Popular opinion convicts the Fed of the crime of tight money. The result could be even looser Fed policy in the long run, with no adjustment to policies elsewhere in Washington. The result could be a prolonged period of both slow growth and low interest rates, an environment that would be healthy enough for the bond market, but one that could limit gains for US and international stocks. Data due out this week should shed further light on the extent of the slowdown. Numbers on housing starts, pending home sales, new home sales and home prices, which will be released throughout the week, should look relatively stable and may improve in the months to come, reflecting lower mortgage rates. However, the international trade deficit should remain at a very elevated level, reflecting in part the impact of slower global growth amidst continued trade tensions. The delayed consumer spending report for January should show a slight improvement from December. However, depressed light vehicle sales, uh, both in January and February, combined with a continued shortfall in income tax refunds relative to last year, suggests that real consumer spending for the first quarter should rise by less than 1% annualized. Unemployment claims should remain at low levels, providing further confirmation that the February jobs report understated labour market strength. However, it needs to be emphasised that employment is a lagging economic indicator, and that low rates of unemployment do not necessarily indicate economic momentum in an economy with very slow labour force growth. Finally, in data due out this week, real GDP growth should be revised down for the fourth quarter to roughly 3% year over year from originally reported 3.1%. However, our models suggest average real GDP growth of less than 1.5% in the first half of 2019, taking the year-over-year growth rate down to 2.1% by Q2 and 1.9% by Q3, before stabilizing stabilizing at a roughly 2% pace going forward. So why the slow down to 2% growth? Some are blaming the Fed, however, consider the following. First, real short-term rates aren't unusually high, they're unusually low. The most basic way to look at the stance of monetary policy is to look at real short-term interest rates. In practice, a good way to do this is to subtract year-over-year core CPI inflation from the nominal federal funds rate. This converts today's 2.4%, 2.41% nominal federal funds rate to a real rate of 0.33%, lower than it has been 64% of the time over the past 60 years. Second, real long-term rates aren't unusually high. They are also unusually low. A further charge against the Fed is that by reducing their balance sheet at the same time as raising short-term interest rates, they've been serving up a double dose of monetary tightening. The problem with this view is that the only way that this would manifest itself is through higher long-term interest rates. However, the real 10-year yield is now just at 0.38%, lower than it has been 88% of the time over the past 60 years. Third, the tightening has not been unusually fast, it's been unusually slow. Some have complained about a rapid pace of Fed tightening, however, if this tightening cycle is indeed over, it started in December 2015 and ended in December 2018, with the Fed raising rates by a total of 2.25% over three years, or 0.75% per year. Over the prior five tightening cycles, the Fed raised rates more than three times as fast, at an average pace of 2.4% per year. Finally, banks have not generally been applying tighter lending standards. While the Fed's Senior Loan Officer survey did show a slight tightening in lending standards of commercial and industrial loans in January, this follows seven consecutive quarters of easing conditions. Overall, the bottom line is that there's little evidence the U.S. business has been impeded by either high interest rates or tight credit in recent months. But if the Fed has a good alibi, and it does, what's responsible for the slowdown? In the short run, the most obvious answer is fading tax cut effects. Consumer spending accounts for two-thirds of demand in the U.S. economy and the single biggest driver of the growth in real consumer spending is real after-tax income. The growth rate for real after-tax income has, not surprisingly, faded since the surge in early 2018 associated with the impact of the tax cuts. A second source of problems is trade. Last week's flash manufacturing PMI reports confirmed further weakness in both Japan and the Eurozone, and next week's more comprehensive numbers should show a more general global slowdown. Continued trade tensions appear to be contributing to a slowdown in global economic activity, and this is impacting US exports in a negative way. A third problem is the age of the expansion. Despite massive fiscal stimulus, both home building activity and vehicle sales appear to have hit a plateau. This could reflect weak demographics, including very slow growth in the working age population and a continued decline in the number of babies born every year. However, it also, to some extent, reflects a very natural lack of pent-up demand in the tenth year of an economic expansion, as many people have already taken advantage of a general, generally healthy economy to make these major purchases. Moreover, all this just looks at the demand side of the economy. On the supply side, while the unemployment rate is almost at a 50-year low, the growth in the working-age population is slow to a crawl and immigration is falling, limiting potential labour supply. In addition, while real business-fixed investment rose by a healthy 7% last year, partly in response to the tax cuts, this is still insufficient to produce any dramatic increase in productivity. Given all of this, there are clearly some ways to boost real economic growth in the short run, including a quick and successful resolution to trade disputes and easing of immigration restrictions on skilled workers. However, there's little evidence that even easier money would do much good. In addition, there's considerable risk that easier money would damage the economy in the long run. Over recent decades, asset prices have risen far faster than economic output and the adoption of super easy money in the wake of the financial crisis has accelerated this trend. In the long run, this is increasing the risk of an eventual asset bubble and collapse. It is for this reason that it is most important that the Federal Reserve not give in to those who currently advocate for even more monetary largesse. For investors, it will be important to watch this debate with an unbiased eye. So far, the economy appears to be slowing rather than stalling. Those who predict 3% real growth for as far as the eye can see and those who blame the Fed for impeding it are likely wrong on both counts. However, even a 2% economy without disruption could provide a stable environment for fixed income investments, albeit an unexciting one for equities. Strong returns on financial assets are unlikely, but even moderate returns should be worth the risk in a low inflation, low interest rate environment. Still, there could be real consequences to wrongly convicting the Fed and letting other government policies off the hook, as has often been the case in American history. The biggest threat to investor lies not in the economy itself but in the actions of those who propose to fix it. Well that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week and if you have any questions in the meantime please reach out to your JP Morgan representative.
0: This content has been produced for information purposes only and as such the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018 J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.